Welcome to MAGA Uncovered. It's the 11th episode, no, 12th episode. Uh, we've been doing this for 12 weeks, Ron Filipkowski. How did that pro. even happen? <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun covering MAGA, right? I saw a few messages from people, you know, preempting this show saying, what's the point in you guys being on today? There's nothing to talk about. Just take the week off. And I was thinking, well... <laughs> That would be nice, but as it happens, we are here because this is the only show that uncovers MAGA in such a way that goes uncovered by the mainstream media. So the clue is in the title. Um, Ron Filipkowski is uh, that guy there, and I'm Anthony Davis. And uh, Ron, we should start, before we get into Trump and the indictment and Rico and Giuliani and Sidney Powell and all of the cast of characters, you know, the gallery of curios, um, I thought we would start with a little special announcement from you regarding your new role with Midas Touch. Tell us about it. Sure. Well, this is a great opportunity, and I'm so happy to have it. And we haven't formally announced it yet, although we've been going for a couple of weeks now. I think everybody's seen the website and the work that we've done, but probably wondering what's going on. So, during the 2022 election cycle, I was trying my hardest to cover uh, all of the different candidates and the campaigns, Republican candidates. And many times I expressed my frustration that I had to practice law from nine to five. And, you know, I was busy doing that so I could only do so much. Uh, and so what happened was I, 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 I decided to only cover about 16 candidates. I, I was only able to focus on those 16 and do the best that I could with those 16. 12 of them lost. And so, uh, again, I expressed my frustration, and, I, and the guys with Midas saw that. And then when they decided that they wanted to start a new news website, and they wanted to do news in a totally different way, package it and present it in a different way than the mainstream media does, um, they reached out to me because they remembered me expressing the frustration that I had with not having enough time to do what I wanted to do politically. And I really wanted to do it a lot in 2024. So they asked me to do it, uh, to become the editor in chief of the website, to run the website with a bunch of very talented researchers and writers working with me on it and to give up law practice. And so that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm essentially giving up my law practice, phasing it out now, should be completely done in November. And I will be doing this and I will be doing politics and running the MidasTouch.com website full time. So far, by the way, first two weeks, we have over 4 million hits on the website already. So that's well, tremendous. What's, what's brilliant about this? Firstly, congratulations. Thank Secondly, you. What's brilliant about this is the timing is very helpful with the downfall of Twitter because yes. people don't really know where to go now, you know, to scroll for a news feed as Elon Musk has, has ruined Twitter and turned it into this kind of Russian-operated far-right propaganda uh, social media site. And there's been like a dozen other of these social media sites that have cropped up trying to be the winner in the race – and actually what's so clever about this is it, it takes people off of all of these different sites and gives them a central place to get their news. And actually, if you choose the news option, it scrolls like a feed. So it's a little bit like finding the news on social media, but at MidasTouch.com. Yeah, you've got myself, you've got ASIN, you've got Patriot Takes, you've got other other guys, guy, guy named Troy, who's, who's also on Twitter. Uh, you've got the Midas, the Midas Brothers 
we're posting, you know, 20, 25, 30 stories a day as they're happening, breaking. And we're not just writing, you know, the both sides of it. We're including the clips and, and the highlights and letting people see the clips for themselves. So, yeah, we really that sort of was the idea. It was as people are looking for an alternative to Twitter, we wanted to provide that for them where they could get all the news that on politics that's breaking. We're covering Democrats and Republicans, which is also new for me because now I get to do stories about Democrats instead of just covering MAGA. So, yeah, hopefully people will, if they're looking to leave Twitter, will find a home with us. That's great. Well, uh, people can start now as they're watching this. Go to MidasTouch.com and uh, see all the action and uh, follow the show along there. Let's uh, get straight into the meat of this conversation, and that is that the Georgia state law against racketeering could be a powerful tool in prosecuting Donald Trump, uh, but applying charges traditionally used to take down organised crime risks miring the case in legal and logistical complications, it's being said. So I'm very keen for you to kind of debunk these issues around the racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations, or RICO law, because this was originally designed to take down mafia bosses, wasn't it? Here's what I can tell you. I mean, I did one racketeering trial. It was the most significant case of my career. I've done over 300 trials. I've done six murder trials. Uh, And nothing prepared me for the racketeering trial, because... The rules and the evidence and everything, the law is so completely different than everything that you would anticipate in criminal law. And I'll just give you an example, because in racketeering, once you prove that you're part of a criminal organization or a criminal enterprise, it doesn't have to be something like the mafia. It could be anything. It could be a drug trafficking ring, could be a burglary ring where there's multiple people involved. There's a hierarchy. There's a boss. The boss of the organization may not even know what the underlings are doing from on a day-to-day basis, but they're all part of the same criminal enterprise. In my trial, my trial was it went for a month. Um, probably about four days of that month was stuff about what my client did. So normally in a criminal trial, if your client is charged with murder or burglary, the only evidence that would be brought in is the evidence that pertained to what he did on that day. Right. But in a racketeering case, you present that, but you also present all of the crimes committed by all of the other people in the organization. That's what's the frustrating part when you're trying to defend these is that you're sitting there and they're presenting all these other crimes by all these other people that your client may not have even known about, but your client was part of that group. And so, and there's 18 of them the door in this case. So there's much the, stuff. There's yes. 18 co-defendants in. Let in me this give you an case. example in the Trump indictment of this. Yeah. So let's just take two things: the threats and intimidation of Ruby Freeman. Okay, how you know um, Kanye West publicist and a Trump lawyer and a pastor that were all calling her, going to her house, leaning on her. Again, Trump was harassing Ruby Freeman with his Twitter account. But he may not have known specifically what those people were doing on his behalf at her house, but he but they were doing it on his behalf and clearly with knowledge of some of the people involved. So that would be normally something if Trump was just charged with tampering with the election, that that would never come into the case because he wasn't directly involved with that. But it does come in in the context of RICO. Same thing with Sidney Powell going down to Coffee County, which is a tiny county in the Okefenokee swamps in southeast Georgia. 
They went down there with a, a computer firm to hack the voting machines because that was basically the only county that was going to let them do it. Um, and so, again, Trump wasn't directly involved in that, but Sidney was doing it for Trump. So so that would normally be something that wouldn't be allowed in a criminal case, but it is allowed in a RICO case. So, yes, it's there's more stuff to prove. It's a ton more work. It's a lot more evidence, but it's also a lot more damaging to a defendant when it plays out like that. The indictment was compelling reading, and I encourage everybody to to read it. It's linked on the Midas Touch website. But I, I feel like, you know, some critics have been saying that uh, Forney Willis has maybe created a case that's going to be impossible to hear because you have so many defendants and it's so huge. And it's obviously huge. the wheels of justice turn very slowly. Is it going to be possible to actually, you know, see this through? I know she's asking for a, a March 4th trial date, I think, the first week of March. The trial would take minimum a month. Minimum. Um, it's very sprawling. Lots of witnesses. You're talking about Georgia senators, Georgia election officials, um, Georgia state officials, people from D.C., people from even Wisconsin and Arizona are part of the case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a sprawling, huge case. I would be shocked if it's tried in March. My guess is he's probably looking more at the summer, which would, you know, he could be doing this back to back with the other, the January 6th trial, the doc. They could be going one right after the other. And um, I don't see how he's going to be running a presidential campaign when he's going to be in court. And he can't, like, not show up for those things. I mean, well, I was, I was going to ask you, this. How, how is he going to run a presidential campaign? Because, you know, it's, know, it's basically a year. It's exhausting. I mean, it, it kills people doing these types of the travel and all the rallies. I mean, he does do. I mean, the guy never stopped doing rallies, even when he was president. It was like he was electioneering for 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 2020 from 2016 onwards didn't work but i mean he's always because it makes him feel good to be in front of the people to be in front of the crowd it kind of gives him dopamine or something but if he's going to be in court every other week it's going to screw with the schedule i mean it's going to make it very difficult to win the election well and that's why he argues it's election interference but you know hey it is what it is you're the one yeah. who chose for president while you're being yeah. you know under indictment you know yeah. this is this you you made this bed you got to you got to lie in it now so yeah it, i and that's not just all the days he has to be in court he has to prepare he has to get with his lawyers and talk strategy meet with witnesses and you know he's going to try and micromanage every aspect of this trial so of, of his trial so I mean, I could see him literally being tied up with court cases for four months straight, like every single day during the most important time. And it's probably about the time that he would be securing the nomination. So the other problem for the Republican Party is, let's say he's already not he's the nominee and then you have him convicted and going to jail. I mean, what are they going to do then? It's just it, and the thing is, so many of the Republicans are just in complete denial about this, like. Oh, it'll, everything will work out, you know. They, I'm not sure if they're they have another plan, a plan B, you know. And let's not forget that 147 Republicans voted to overturn the election. So, I mean, you know, they they a lot of them still believe in the coup, 
and they think the coup is a, is a real thing. I'm sure some of them are peeling off now and some of them are going to start to distance themselves from Trump, who is increasingly toxic because of all of these charges. But for me, that's the rub. You know, the point at which Trump becomes too toxic to be a clear kind of primary winner. And, and yeah. And as you say, because there is no plan B, that's why I stand by my prediction that it'll be Mike Pence. Well, I don't know about that. You, you, I, I know why you totally disagree, but because I'm basing that on the fact that the MAGA supporters, you know, that, that, that the ones who hate Mike Pence because they think he didn't do yeah. what he was supposed to do, they are diminishing. They are they are far smaller percentage of Republicans as a whole mm. than Trump would have us think. I mean, and, Pence is the safest play if yeah. you're an establishment Republican. And he's done it before in the same way that yeah. Biden was a vice president and then Biden won. So to have Pence, who was a vice president, he knows how to walk the walk and talk the talk, albeit in a really annoying manner. The problem is, though, that 25% of the bait, you know, that Trump pays... Will they will they will not vote for sure. Mike Pence even if he's the nominee? Yeah. So it's funny you hear all the it you know the media constantly asks Republican politicians if they will support whoever the nominee is Donald yeah. Trump, but they never ask MAGA. No. <laughs> you know why don't you ask MAGA? Will you support a nominee if it's not Donald Trump? And the answer is no, they will not. And so what are they going to do? How are those? How are they going to get those twenty million people? to show up for Mike Pence. It's not going to happen. So I understand that, but you see, to me, the way politics works that we forget sometimes is that it's a house of cards, and there's going to be a whole bunch of collapsing playing cards before you get to the Mike Pence card. Oh, true. Right? Yeah. And that is what I look forward to, is that you never know what is around the corner. True. And and, and Forney Willis has really done quite a, a, an amazing job, and I loved the speech that she made. She was, like, vitriolic when she was announcing these charges. Were you as frustrated as I was when this indictment got leaked on the court website? It was like a moment where a clerk accidentally put the indictment up whilst the grand jury was still in session, and then it got removed quickly. And that really frustrated me because Trump was able to seize on that and his lawyers and go, well, it's obviously rigged because they know what they're getting before it's agreed upon. Here's the thing. In, in this business, you can't make mistakes. You just can't. And, and you know, I'm talking about when you're prosecuting somebody very high profile in a very serious case, the most high profile ever, um, you can't make mistakes, even little mistakes, especially against these people, because they look for anything. They look for the smallest thing. And then they drive a truck through that yeah. thing. And that's that. Right? But that's the house of cards that the could crack. end up with Mike yeah. Pence. Do you see what I mean? It's like you just don't know. And and so, sure, the obvious choice is DeSantis. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. But to all intents and purposes, he, his campaign is on its knees. And yeah. and where do you stand with Chris Christie at this point in time? Um. Uh, by the way, let me just go back to that document. Yeah. So what that was was clearly, you know, that's the draft paperwork that's going to be submitted to the grand jury for their signature. Yeah. So when the cover sheet of that was inadvertently filed, probably by a clerk or something, yes, that makes them say, oh, the fix is in. You know, they already had the indictment before they even voted. I mean, it's just it gives the conspiracy theorists fodder. Yeah. So Chris Christie, you know, that's what you just asked about. Yeah, Christie, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, he's getting momentum. He's going up in the I polls. Agree. Uh 
he is he has learned the lesson that none of the other non-trumpers have learned which is there is a still a hunger there is still a part of the republican party who wants to move away from trump not necessarily because they all hate him just because he's damaged goods and they're ready to move on and they don't think he can win and none of the other candidates seem to be able to figure out that that what you need to say to win those people over Chris Christie is saying the things that you need to say. Yeah. And I think he's just going to continue unless one of these other guys starts doing the same thing. He's just going to continue to go up and up because what is Nikki Haley offering? What is Tim Scott offering? What is Mike Pence offering? Nothing, nothing, you know? And so Christie is speaking to those people who want an alternative to Trump. Trump's not going to do any of the debates, is he? He's definitely not doing the first one. Yeah. I mean, we know that for sure. Yeah. He's refused to sign the loyalty pledge. So right. now Rana has to either – he's not never going to sign it, and I've said that many times. He'll never sign it to support the nominee if it's not him. Uh, and so what Rana has to do now is just just completely back down and just say, okay, forget the loyalty pledge, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that she – twisted the arms of everybody else to change sign the rules for trump change the rule for trump again yeah uh i predict what i said i wrote this in an article is that on the midas touch.com was what i thought was going to happen is trump is all of trump's people are telling him not to debate because they know it's he has nothing to gain from it but he's going to sit home he's going to watch that first debate they're all going to some of them are going to be attacking him um and he it's going to grate on him. It's going to bother him so much to sit home and not be part of the spotlight, not be the star of the show that I predict he will show up for the next one or the one after that, because I just don't think he's going to be able to handle sitting at home. I, I totally agree. And and it's a little bit like when Judge Tanya Chutkin told him to zip it and he couldn't. He just continued to go for the throat. And he he is uncontrollable. I mean, he is mentally ill and that is presenting itself. He, he's his own worst enemy, basically. And so he won't just be in contempt. But, I mean, will he even make it to trial? <laughs> he might be jailed before then. We should say very quickly that they're now saying um, Fulton County Jail is going to book him, photograph him. And all of the things that you didn't get with, the, with these kind of federal indictments, you're actually going to put Donald Trump through the ringer in order to really push that point home that he is considered, you know, he's, he's considering a serious prosecution. Yeah, and it's funny because his um, his attorneys are out there com- complaining about this, saying, yeah. oh, the only purpose of a of a mugshot is for if you're a flight risk and, and to identify the person. And that, I mean, I've that's the excuse that they made not to mugshot him before. That's nonsense. <laughs> Look, I've got clients who've been arrested 50 times. They take their mug... They've got 48 other mugshots, but they still take them every time because you just have to treat everybody the same regard. They what they argued, Alina Haba argued last night. He's the most famous man in the world. Why do they need a mugshot? But look, the reality is he's going to sell the T-shirts with his mugshot on it. He's going to make money off it. Yeah. Democrats are going to make money off. You know, it's just uh, this. It's going to be the most famous mugshot in the world. You can guarantee, though, that any Trump merchandise will be a photoshopped version of the mugshot. Oh, and the yeah. real mugshot, you'll That's only true. be able to get at MidasTouch.com. Okay, right. let's uh, talk about Mike Lindell, because he has the answers to everything, Ron. He has a huge summit 
that, that kind of was launched today, but it's you know the, the big deal is happening tomorrow where he will be exposing the truth and, as he claims, changing the world. Let's take a look at the clip and then we'll find out what this is all about. Springfield, Missouri, ready for the big event, the election summit, August 16th and 17th, this Wednesday and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on frankspeech.com. Uh, you guys need to watch this. Everybody, we need to spread the word. This is, we're going to reveal the plan that's going to secure our elections immediately. We're going to be live streaming in 85 languages around the world. So please share this out now, and God bless you all. Thanks. I'm sure the people in Azerbaijan are going to be thrilled for a translation. Um, what What is he talking about? Because I think he announced earlier today, or I saw him up on the stage saying, we're not going to give you any more evidence of election interference. We've got enough of that. Yep. He, he said this is not the old stuff. This is all complete, something completely new. He said only, I think, 12 people he has told about it. Oh. One of them was Michael Flynn, who is very enthusiastic about the plan, which tells you probably mom, that's how bad neighbor, it is. His yeah. doctor. I mean, yeah. who else has he told? So I was curious, you know, I, I, I dropped in and listened to his opening speech today, which was about 45 minutes. And he, what he said was that God uh, told him this plan. Um, God came to him in a dream, told him this plan. So what he said today, and basically what God also told him is that anybody who doesn't accept this and believe in this plan is is with Satan, um, is with the devil. So the plan is going to be revealed tomorrow. It comes straight from God, so it's got to be good. And uh, I just hope that I agree with it because I don't want to be called a Satanist, but we'll see. The, 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 the use of God is becoming more prevalent. I've sure. noticed this. Carrie Lake's doing it a lot. Yep. Mike Flynn has always been doing it, but he's certainly ramped it up. And there was one other person who was indicted. Who, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it was a female, and she was, she was talking about it. Uh, Jenna Ellis. Jenna Ellis, that's right. Yep. She's always yep. talking about God, but it was Jenna yep. Ellis. And saying, you know, it's God's will, whatever God wants is what's going to happen. It's a convenient excuse to refer to the invisible man in the sky for, you know, what are they looking for? You know, retribution? I mean, what is this? Yeah, because when you say God is on our side and God believes that what we're doing is right, yeah, that necessarily means that your political opponents are evil and against God. And that's so what they it's say. It's a clever play then, isn't it? Yeah, they say it flat out. I mean, Democrats are anti-God, they're anti-Christian, which is, of course, you know, not true. I yeah. mean, they're, they're, I mean a, a huge percentage of Democrats are Christian. Yeah. I mean, the, they, they want to paint it like they are, they are all Christian and believers and all Democrats are godless you know an atheist and non yeah. and anti-christian which you know i mean it's true that there are many democrats who who don't believe in god of course but but it but it doesn't mean that they're anti-christian you know they they generally are tolerant live and let live just don't impose it on us right well, but they believe in the in freedom of religion i mean that's that's the whole point of of living in the u.s is that we all believe in freedom of religion and a lot of this has been happening recently where Republicans are using God as a, as, a, as a leverage point and trying to make out that Democrats are anti-God and anti-Christian. 
And I'm not hearing enough Democrats, including from the president, to actually debunk this. Yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, the the Democrats who are, who are devout and and do have deep faith should be out there and more vocal about it. I think maybe some of the reason is because you know a lot of the Democratic base doesn't necessarily want to hear you know proselytizing, but but I think that it, it is important to counter the message that Republicans are putting out there that nobody who's a Democrat believes in God, you know, which is not true. There's been quite a bit of campaigning in uh, Iowa. DeSantis was there. Donald Trump was there. And when Donald Trump arrived, I'll I'll play the clip and then you can tell us why it's so amusing, why he's taken this tact. It's a real honor to be here. We have a record that was set. The record is the largest crowd they've ever had. And I can see that because you can't get any more people here. But I just, uh, I'm very honored by it. It's a tremendous thing to watch this and to see this. Now, we do have a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day in Iowa. But this is a record crowd. They've never had anything even close. So I'm very happy by it. Thank you. (laughs) He doesn't have anything to say ever. So today it's about how many people you can squeeze onto a postage stamp. I mean, this this event, I watched this all live as it was happening from, I, I was probably following 25 journalists who were in that crowd. Yeah. Uh, and it's just the classic propaganda master Goebbels manipulation of media that Jason Miller orchestrates for every event. Um, from the going into the restaurants and saying food for everybody and then leaving, which happened again at this event, happens at every event. You know, no one ever pays for for his stuff that he promises people. And um, But in this particular case, okay, first of all, the Iowa State Fair is 13 days and it, and it averages about 113,000 people a day. And that's whether politicians are there or not. In other words, the most... the 90, 95% of the people who go to the Iowa State Fair are going for corn dogs, pork chops, and Ferris wheels. Right. They're not interested in politicians. Plus, they have musicians and performers at night who are usually pretty good, you know, because yeah. they draw they draw 40,000 at night just to watch the, the main act. So these people are not there for Donald Trump or for any other politician. Okay. So, but what? So, so you got 130, it's a Saturday. So you got normally 115, 120,000 people come in no matter what, whether Trump's there or not. And by the way, the attendance for this particular Saturday was average. It was the same as it is every Saturday. It didn't but go he, up. It didn't go down. in that clip, it didn't look like anyone knew he was there. He was just exactly. like walking along with his security detail. But well, here's what he to did be... to manipulate the crowd. Yeah. So they have he has his Secret Service motorcade go in and blockade the entrance to the fair. Right. For 30 minutes, they had like seven limos blocked. So no one could get into the fair for 30 minutes. So what happened is you have this bottleneck of people. And a lot of the people were pretty upset that they had to stand there and they couldn't get into the fair with their kids. Then, So Trump waits in the car until this crowd gets all backed up. Then he jumps out. He's got his supporters in the front. They're cheering. People in the back aren't cheering. And then he... You know, he's waving and, you know, the his film crew, campaign film crew gets the shot of him. And it looks yeah. like there's this massive crowd waiting for Trump. He should have taken some toilet rolls with him as well. You know, then he could have done his old kind of Puerto Rico <laughs> trick. I mean, this guy is is so fake, like everything that he does yep. is, is theater. It's it's performative. 
and it is designed f purely for the media. He is a, a made-for-television ex-president, soon to be in prison. And I feel like, you know, th there must be a tipping point when people start to realise, just from talking, because there will be people there who talk to their friends or they go on Facebook and communicate about the fact that actually much of this is a charade. Because, you know, the, the, the mainstream media believes he is far more popular than he really is. And this kind of, oh, it's 25% or it's 35% of, you know, Trump supporters. I think it's 25 or 35% of Republicans, right? I, I believe that, you know, you've got your regular Republicans and then you've got your Trump section over here. That's what I believe. And I think we'll see that at the ballot box if he gets that far. Well, you know where, why this was a mistake is that it might have played well for the nationally, maybe for his people. But the people in Iowa know full well that he was lying there. I mean, yeah. and so, you know, if the point is to win over Iowa voters, you don't do that by lying to Iowa voters when they right. know you're lying. He, he, he thinks we are as stupid as he is. I mean, and I, I maintain that. Um, he did have a meeting with Laura Loomer. Did that take place at the state fair as well, or was that in... Right Prime? after. I think it was the next day. It was the next day. It was because he went, had to go back because he was hosting the Saudi golf tournament at his club. So he had to go right back for that. And the following that doesn't day sound was dodgy when, at all, does it? Was the when Saudi golf tournament. Sound, that yeah. sounds totally above board. Here, here's the uh, Laura Luma clip, and then we'll talk about what an interesting character she is. Hey, everybody. We're here at Bedminster. I'm with the greatest president ever, President Donald Trump, who is killing it right now. There's a new poll out, right? You're crushing it. You're up over 50 points. And uh, it's a beautiful day here. Beautiful club. It's my first time here at Bedminster. Well, it's great to have you, and you've been really very special. You work hard, and you are a, uh, you are a very opinionated lady. I have to tell you that. And in my opinion, I like that. Well, I but appreciate that. I appreciate that. all of your support, and you've been terrific. And everybody appreciates your support. Yes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for inviting me he looks really old in that clip doesn't he when he when he's not controlling yeah. the the video he he always looks much older him saying you're a very opinionating la opinionated yeah. lady is so yeah. interesting because that's I'm him so, kind I'm of distancing himself from her far-right propaganda well but then he comes back and goes but you know i'm into it Okay, so that caught my attention because I do know Laura. Yeah. And so um, I knew that she said something that probably maybe took him aback right before that. And we found, I found out later what it was. So <laughs> Laura told him to fire his criminal lawyers that he has now and to hire uh, David Schoen, who represented Trump at uh, one of his, his second impeachment trials. <laughs> so, so. Apparently, right before that camera came on, Laura was having the conversation, telling him to fire his lawyers. And do you, do you think he might heed that advice? Else. Because you know yeah, you he, never he know. does need to hear it from somebody, doesn't he? But the other thing, this this whole thing set off a pretty big firestorm among the Republican primary voters because you see a few months ago um it was announced that trump was hiring laura loomer to work on his campaign because she had been just hammering away at desantis day after day after day and that got trump's attention right. and so trump said well, we need to bring her in just to hire her to just go after desantis every day well when that news got out 
a lot of the uh, Trump people, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, had a fit because they don't like Loomer. So Greene actually called Trump and said, do not hire Laura Loomer. And Trump backed down. He did not. He changed his mind, did not hire her. So, of course, that made Laura even more upset. So so then when Laura is up at Bedminster a couple months later, hanging out with Trump, all those same people, you know, were pretty upset. But that also goes to show the power of Marjorie Taylor Greene in this whole conversation. The fact that she can call the ex-president and the future um, Republican, you know, primary candidate for president of the United States and say, don't hire that person. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of that famous speech that Ronald Reagan made on the balcony when the, one of the bosses from the big banks whispered in his ear, speed it up a bit. Do you remember that kind yeah. of infamous moment? Yeah. And, and it's like, who are the puppet masters in, in these situations? Marjorie Taylor Greene, as we know, who's a QAnon, total radicalized lunatic, now has total power at the very heart of the Republican Party. Well, she definitely manipulates McCarthy, too, right. So and, and Trump. So I guess the question would be, like, wh- why is Loomer even there after that happened? Because she kind of got double-crossed. Well, the reality is, is that most of the Trump, the diehard Trump people, never blame Trump for these things. So she blames Green and others for, for that. definitely doesn't blame the decision maker who's Donald Trump. So once again, you know, he gets off scot-free. It's kind of interesting to me to know how much of a decision maker Donald Trump is, because, you know, he doesn't really have much of an opinion. And when he came into politics, he was very much a, a blank canvas. You know, he was a bit of a racist, but he donated to Democrats and Republicans to do his, you know, his, yeah, his bidding. True. And then he kind of finds his audience, in this case, the, the right wing and the far right and, you know, the, the extremes brings them all into his fold and basically just goes where the gullible money is because, you know, he is a, he's a businessman, so it's all about fundraising. But, but how much, in terms of decision-making, we've talked about Stephen Miller, we've talked about, you know, Bannon, people behind the scenes who created very much this kind of Donald Trump or Trumpism as it's come to be known. I wonder how much of Trumpism is actually Donald Trump versus these advisors yeah if you go back and you look at the the issues that he really felt strongly about prior to 2016 like he gave a million interviews where he was asked from time to time where will you ever run for president and what do you care about there was very very few things that he felt strongly about i mean he was pro-choice which he said in interviews in the past that he was pro-choice uh, he was always very like law and order, you know, lock everybody up, throw away the key, especially black people. So he was always for that. He was always an isolationist. He was always for big tax cuts for the wealthy. For himself. So that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, yeah. there wasn't a whole the, the whole build the wall and all that stuff. I mean, he was he never talked about stuff like that. No. You know, that's all new. All the evangelical, all the Christian stuff. You know, that's all completely invented, you know, stuff. Now, we've all been watching with horror the pictures coming out of Maui, uh, the the island of Hawaii that has burned with this horrific wildfire and, uh, you know, over 100 people now dead. The numbers are going to go up. We now know it's a kind of hurricane. Just push, push the flames across like a six-lane freeway. 
You know, I mean, this is, this is how serious this was. It looks like a bomb's gone off there. Total devastation. How did Donald Trump choose to go about respecting this event? Here's the clip. The sad thing is it should never have happened. Our government was not prepared. And very importantly, the aftermath is going very poorly with the governor of the island wanting to do nothing but blame it on global warming and other things that just happened to pop into his head. It is a disgraceful thing that Joe Biden refuses to help or comment on the tragedy in Maui, just as he refused to help or comment on the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, for a very, very long time. I'm just kind of speechless, Ron. Yeah, I mean, this is a familiar playbook. You know, they did it in East Palestine, too, is as soon as anything bad happens, some kind of natural disaster, uh, train derailment, whatever, that is clearly nobody in the administration's fault, uh, they immediately look to gain, you know, make score political points. And my one criticism of the administration here is that they continue to be either unaware of that or don't think that that's a problem. And, uh, and, optics, it, and it is a optics. problem. Yeah. Yeah. So so what you have is them capitalizing on the fact that this happened during Biden's vacation. So they're, you know, on Fox, they're super cutting between showing the devastation of Maui and showing Biden having a good time on the beach saying the president doesn't give a shit, you know. And so even though that's not true and the government is doing everything they can and the last thing you want is a presidential entourage to go into a disaster zone. But the optics of it are bad. And, and, I, and I think that what you know what he was referring to there is when uh, Biden was getting into his car from the beach and some pool person shouted out who's a right wing reporter. You know, do you have a comment about Maui? And he he maybe said no comment. It was hard to hear. Uh, but that's what they said. He said. And of course, that got viral. Um, it's just the administration really does have to do a better job. And, I, and Budicic admitted this after East Palestine yeah. of getting out early and communicating with the people of what they are doing. They are doing stuff behind the scenes, but they must communicate what they're doing. I, I would agree. And, you know, it, it's this is the thing about trial by media, right? You know, you can make or break a politician. You can make or break a candidate through careful editing. Biden on the beach, fires in, in Hawaii. As you describe, and you you know these days where technology and media is everywhere, wherever we look, not to mention AI and deep fakes and everything that goes with it, you can create a level of propaganda that is so compelling and so convincing that to people that don't understand the process, they can be completely drawn in by it. Yep, and that's what Fox does. Yeah. That that's how Fox is has all their viewers. They do it day after day after day. And in this event, they've been doing it constantly. So the good news is Biden's going to go there. And, yes. and that's good. And I think he he should go there. Uh, and, and and remember, you know, the, the firestorm was going on when Budicic hadn't visited East Palestine for a week or so. And Trump immediately went there, of that's course, right. you know, and capitalized on that. Um, accomplished nothing. He just went there for 45 minutes like he usually does and leaves, yeah. uh, passes out some bottled water. Um, but yeah, I mean, but when when Budicic went there, everything calmed down and, and, and the issue went away. And so that, that really should have showed them like, 
if you just get out front of these things and talk to the people, it, it won't be an issue that you take that issue away from them. Yeah. But they just I, don't I like really understand been, that. I, I want to see kind of the army, you know, I want to see the U.S. Army. Yeah. I want to see the, the generals on camera dealing with it. I want to see human chains in of, of people in camouflage. You know, I, I really feel like because this stuff is going on and yet we're just not seeing it. And, and you know, the reality is that a lot of people who have evacuated are now really feeling the pain because they're, you know, there's just the whole place. I mean, the whole place has gone and it was yeah. beautiful and thriving. Okay, let's uh, move on and talk about, uh, talking of generals, former General Mike Flynn, who uh, twice lied to the FBI, let's never forget that, and then got a pardon from Trump at the end of his presidency, is back again, and he's ramping up the QAnon material, isn't he? Um, should, we have a, should we have a listen to him before we, uh, before sure. we have a chat about it? Okay. Now, where is it, though? That's the thing. Is it in here? Mm, maybe it's not in here. Okay, well, you tell us about it and while I'm trying to find it. Well, he had two controversies this week. One, he talked about he was critical of mothers during the Holocaust yeah. who gave up their children to go on separate train cars to be exterminated. And he was talking about how, like, how could moms let their children go and he, and he also mentioned that, that there weren't that many guards there and maybe they could have That's fought right. back or something I, like that. I found that. the clip now, so let me you play did. it. Because well, this it, is a different clip that you have, but go ahead. Yeah, right. Because this is going to give us... A, you'll just see... I mean, just look at his eyes. This guy is on another planet. People yeah. are going to find out here within a year or less, you're going to go to the gas station the second time in a month to fill up your truck or your car, and all of a sudden you might find that your, your card gets denied, right? It doesn't mean that you have no money in the bank, but the, the, the initial indicators will be that the banks are going to start denying people the use of their money. My perspective as a, as a, uh, a guy that worked in the world of intelligence, those become opportunities for foreign intelligence services to go and recruit people. And they're easy to recruit because they're, they will fall prey to uh, sums, large sums of money, even small sums of money, to uh, nefarious, you know, sexual activities that they will be compromised in. I mean, all this stuff is like made for TV, but it's for real. Unbelievable capability to be able to monitor every single financial transaction that you do. And so if they decide that they're going to control those transactions, they can do that in, and I mean, not like in six months or 10 years, they can do it right now. I've had this particular card, and I, you know, I have to do this all the time. This particular card has been has been denied twice in the last month, and I know that there's money in the bank, but it's been denied twice. Hmm. So I kind of go back and I say why. And I call up the bank, and the bank says we don't we don't know why. In order to create a a a very you know a, a sort of a lower class of servants for the as Klaus Schwab says. We have, you know, and, and you you do his voice much better than I do, but where he says we have 600 of the smartest individuals in the world that are now basically controlling the world. That's how these people think, because they can they control banks, they control corporations, they control decisions, they control how we move. 
They control the entire air, road, rail networks. Every aspect of our lives, people don't realize this. I, I think the rabbit down the hole is the one that got his, got his credit card, and that's mm. the reason why it got denied. I mean, you know, I've heard this from a few people now, where they, something quite ordinary happens, and then they build a whole conspiracy around it. And, you know, it must be the deep state taking control, stealing your money. I mean, again, people believe this stuff. Yeah, I had an ATM ate my card about a week ago, so I guess they're they're tracking me too. I think so. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the reason why that was in so many cuts, I, I, I edited that because that was an hour and a half interview that I watched. It was horrible. Well, so thank yeah, you for I, doing I, the abridged version because I yeah, did not want I, to sit through that. I, I spliced together like the part the different parts of his argument that he's making i mean michael flynn has just come up with so many incredible ridiculous conspiracies and i'm not downplaying the fact that there are too many oligarchs in the world that control too much shit and have too much uh say in our lives i mean that clearly is true but they take it to the nth degree yeah. so his theory is you know that there's this it's a QAnon, straight QAnon theory, you know, that there's this 600 global elite people who rule the world and control everything. And what they're about to do is seize all of the currency around the world, all the money, like all currency, all coins. He's saying like in the next six months, this is all, all the money is going to be seized. All the, the cash is going to be sucked out of everybody's bank account. And then they're going to give you a digital currency. And that's how they're going to control all of us and make us slaves is is that's what they're going to do um and then there's going to be 600 people who rule the world and you know six billion people who are all slaves to them working uh you know being paid in digital currency i mean so. it's it's the stuff of science fiction or or even scientology <laughs> i mean we're, we're getting to a point now where you know you can't really tell if they're using this stuff for the purposes of fundraising yeah or, i think he is yeah right but he believes half of it. I, I should mention that the sexual blackmail part yeah. was a funny part where it, it, it was too long. He, he was too long winded for me to include it in that clip. But what he said was to get all the state legislatures in the United States to go along with this digital currency scheme. These 600 people were going to fly them all to a conference in London and basically like set them up with hookers or whatever and get them in sexually compromising positions to blackmail them to get them to agree to this scheme. That's that was part of what he said. This guy was the former national security advisor. I mean, that's we right. Have, we Trump have, you know, first choice, right? And we have to. And also, Trump has said that he'll bring him back if he, he wins did, the he election. He wants Mike Flynn back as national security advisor, back in or Secretary of Defense or, or CIA Defense. director. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's completely terrifying. Not to mention that he, you know, colluded with the Russians. You know, it's like it, it, it's it's beggar's belief that this guy is still around. He is grifting. He is up and down the country doing these events, these kind of very kind of godly events. And Trump did the same thing, didn't he? Immediately after the indictment was announced, he's out there sending out text messages, fundraise, send me money. We can fix this. I'm doing this for you. I mean, how much of this do you think is a, you know, almost a, a, a job, you know, a God-given job that Mike Flynn feels versus just making a living. I mean, what these guys have done is take the old 
Scarborough talks about this all the time. Yeah. And he's and he's right. They take the old 1980s Jimmy Swagger, Tammy Faye Baker, televangelist model, and they brought it to politics. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, you know, they've combined it with like home shopping network, QVC, yeah. and and they've turned conspiracies into cash, you know, and via and, via Christianity. Yeah, and you it's using the same playbook as the the old even evangelical, you know, people who rip people off. The the righteous gemstones, which I recommend, very good TV show <laughs> um with John Goodman. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, representative Ronnie Jackson. Now, he is the former um doctor, you know, Trump's doctor whilst Trump was in was in office. Uh, he has shouted profanities and cursed at Texas troopers during a disagreement at a rodeo in late July. And now this footage has been released, this kind of body camera footage. Is that right? Yeah. So let me tell you what happened, because, okay. you know, these story Ronnie told the complete fabrication. And then, of course, the body cam is released yeah. and it shows that he was lying. So what was happening was a girl was having or a woman was having a, a seizure, uh, I think an epileptic seizure. And Ronnie thought it was a diabetic uh, incident. And so what Ronnie was trying to do as this girl was thrashing around on the ground, having an epileptic seizure was shove a gumball into her mouth, oh which was like, definitely you don't want to do that because they could choke on it. You yeah. know, it, it's not a diabetic thing. And so he's trying to shove a gumball and the cops, you know, grabbed him and pulled him off of this girl and and they had this altercation and the police also said that he appeared very intoxicated and he had been drinking which of course he denies so uh you know there was conflicting stories and then the body cam stuff comes out and it backed up the police and it, ronnie is not backing the blue in this in this well, he's a he's a former military doctor he also is a terrible doctor because he was convinced that Donald Trump is not obese. So yeah. if that's not the test, I don't know what is. Anyway, here's the body cam footage. I'm not sure that there's no sound on this, so maybe we'll just have a little chat. No, I asked you to get back. No, you did not. You came in, you flew in. And you were full on. I did ask you to get back. And you didn't get back. You better recalculate, mother. You better get back. No, nobody asked me to get back. No, she didn't. Everybody here asked you to get back. Alright. When multiple officers asked you to get back in the EMS. Nobody asked me to get back. No, they didn't. I was I was talking to her about her blood sugar and her hey. blood pressure. You were the first mother yeah. to say something to me. The we first one. Nobody did. The parents didn't want either of y'all there. Uh, we were trying Nobody to get Nobody said something to me. Nobody. Uh, the first person I, I said. I said, hey, can y'all step back? Nobody no, listened. Gonna, the no, first listen. person I so heard I was you rolling voice. in, and you were like, okay, get the back in my face. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll apologize for it. Walk with me. Goodness gracious. Dude, I'm just telling him. No, 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 no. Stop, stop. No, no. I'm not going to. I'm going to. I'm just going to take you. You and I got a drink. I was just trying to help, dude. Okay. And this has nothing to do with who I am or what I do. I was in the yard, dog, man. Okay. okay, let me speak. I know you were there to help, right? But I got EMS coming on scene. I got multiple parents. Asking. Nobody was there yet, though. Yes, they were. I... No, they weren't. They were just rolling up as I was in there. I said, hey, we got a car coming. Multiple people moved out the way. You came down on your knees. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Representative Ronnie Jackson, MD. I mean, he was off his face there, wasn't he? Yeah, that's a U.S. congressman right there. Trump's Trump's most loyal, most loyal doctor, the candy man. <laughs> so, uh, yep. I mean, Ronnie's got issues. Ronnie's Ronnie's. Uh, I think we're going to I think we're going to wake up someday and read something about Ronnie that's tragic to some people do you do you know him because i mean you're referring to him in a very informal first name situation i mean have you had much contact with him no 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 i i don't it's just that i (laughs) i follow ronnie so closely and everything he says and does because he is a source of entertainment to me because it always seems like and i joke about this on twitter you know happy hour because most of his craziest tweets are between like 4.30 and 6.30, which is generally happy hour when he, you know, on the East Coast. So I I always picture him sit, you know, sitting in a bar on his third martini or his third scotch, banging out, you know, these crazy tweets. So yeah, he clearly has either a drinking or a drug problem of a substance problem of some kind happening. Maybe it was his cocaine at the White House. Who knows? One, One never knows. Yeah. Let me just ask you a question about representatives who don't seem to be doing any representing, because this is something I've really noticed, because, you know, where I'm from in the UK, there is a requirement on on members of parliament to kind of hold weekly surgeries. They're very much in contact through social media and through email with their constituents. Obviously, we're talking about much smaller areas, so I guess it's a little easier. But, you know, there's a lot more representatives here in in the US for this, you know, larger terrain. But I do get the feeling a lot of them are in it for the wrong reasons. They're either in it for the power or the money or the connections or the lobbying or the jobs that come after they lose their elections. I mean, there's a few. It's like it's so tragic because people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is absolutely like on her game as a representative, you know, and I follow all her social media. She is at events. She's answering people's questions directly. She is really like taking the job very, very seriously and still finding time to kind of publicize what she's doing, which I think is great because it gives a, a level of transparency. But, you know, what, what percentage of these Republican representatives really have no interest in public office, public service, and they're just in it for their own reasons? It's really in how you view the job. I mean, there are some people who view serving the district and the interests of the district and constituent services as their number one priority. You like know, a Joe and Manchin there, type. And there are some who do not believe that i mean they do like a uh, joe they do the bare minimum and <laughs> yeah. and what they what they would say is that although the people of their district have sent them to washington they are there to represent the country as a whole this is this would be their argument yeah. and um they're supposed to do what's in the best interest of the country not just for their district and so that would be the argument or the excuse that they would give the best representatives do both you know, in other words, sometimes you might vote for something that might be against your district's best interest. We saw that really like in the 1990s after the Cold War, we closed so many military bases around the country. And there were many representatives who voted to close bases in their own districts because it was in the best interest of the country. Yes. That just doesn't happen very often anymore. <laughs> It's very it's very interesting to me because, you know, the job comes with a, a decent salary and perks. And, 
you know, is it, it's so interesting that once, you know, you spend all your time and your effort and your energy and your money kind of trying to get elected, and then once you get elected, there are no checks and balances on what you do until election time four or five years later. Well, I think that you, the people that are in safe districts that are like plus 20, plus 30 percent, where there's just no way they're going to lose, they they tend to do less constituent services than people in the closer district. You Notice Boebert right now. Yeah. Boebert is doing tons of this stuff all of a sudden because she almost lost last time. So she understands that one of the criticisms of her was that she just wanted to be on Newsmax and Fox every night and didn't care about her district. So this term, every waking minute that she's not in D.C., she's running around her district because she understands that that's what she has to do to save her job. It's just how much of the running around the district is paying lip service and pressing the flesh. In her case, all of it. (laughs) All of it versus (laughs) actually like seeing things through. Um, Okay, we we, we have to finish soon, but I I don't want this show to go by without a good humiliation of of Ron DeSanctimonious or whatever he's called Mm. this week. He has also been at the Iowa State Fair. This time he took to the bumper cars um, and... (laughs) It didn't kind of quite go as he was hoping because uh, wasn't they were kind of trying to make him look relatable, you know, in, in spite of these awkward interactions where he does this kind of weird laugh and the head goes back and all this kind of stuff. And his wife, Casey, was there and their three small children. And, and it was it was a it was not the most it wasn't Disneyland, put it that way. Should we, uh, should we have a little look at it and then get a sure. sense of uh, what's going on? Fascinating. So, as we said, the vast majority of people go to the Iowa State Fair to have fun and to ride rides. <laughs> and so they are not there to watch Ron and Casey have fun and yeah. ride rides. So I put this out and I speculated that they shut down the ride. It looked like to me just yeah. for the two of them to go on at a peak hour of the fair. And there had to have been a lot of people waiting to go on this ride. The DeSantis campaign immediately went nuts and said, no, this is not true. You know, but what we have learned, all the facts have come out after the fact. What we learned is there was a big line. There was a line of people waiting to get on the ride. DeSantis camp claims, oh, anybody was free to go on the ride, but they just didn't want to go. They just wanted to let us go, which is nonsense. I mean, nobody believes that. He did it again with the Ferris wheel. He went on the Ferris wheel with Joni Ernst, the senator. And no one else was on the Ferris wheel. So, again, he claimed, well, anybody could have ridden it. Oh, isn't it odd, though, that two of the most popular attractions at the fair, when you're riding it, nobody else is riding it? And the reality <laughs> he is... He can clear a room he, in moments. He, this is his MO. He yeah. doesn't like people, and he wants to keep people away from him. So let's let's kind of finish this conversation in, a, in not the most kind of not necessarily in glory, because Ron DeSantis has a habit of picking his nose and then trying to find an unsuspecting victim 
to kind of wipe it on, doesn't he? I'm speaking very explicitly here, and I apologise if anyone's just having their late lunch. <laughs> but we've got a little clip that you posted. I'll show it. It's very short, and then we'll, we'll try, and, try not to talk about it. I'll show it again, because you, you put it in slow motion. So he's basically done the nose thing, and then what's he done, like wiped it on someone's hat or hair? Well, before he walked up to the guy... He he wiped his nose, yeah, and then he went to touch the guy's hat right after wiping his nose. So okay. yeah, and if you watch the lady to the right of him, watch her face; you can yeah. see her reaction. <laughs> That's the best part of the clip is the lady's reaction. So this is you know we've we've chronicled and documented this that he does this all the time. Yeah. He has either a nervous habit or there's something going on with his nose that it's running a lot yeah. where he constantly goes and wipes his nose. And then he, he tends to then shake people's hand or even, you know, pat them on the, on the back, you know, and it's just, it's just a gross habit that he has. Maybe this and, is um, why the you know. coronavirus numbers were so high in Florida <laughs> in because Florida. he single-handedly spread, super spreader. Sp spread the virus. Right. Okay. Listen, we, we have to finish, but um, always a, a pleasure. And once again, congratulations on your new role as editor in chief of MidasTouch.com. Uh, I recommend everybody heads there right now takes a look at some of the developing stories. There's a news feed. You can also take a look at all of the contributors. If you click on that, you'll see me there, and you can click through to our social media. Um, and even at the Midas Touch YouTube channel, there is now a way to look at playlists of different contributors. So if you just want to see videos from one contributor, then you can do that right there too. Um, I'm Anthony Davis. You can catch me every day on the 5-Minute News podcast and uh, on Sunday hosting the weekend show. Ron, do you want to come back and do this again next week? I think we will. Maybe we'll have another indictment. Who knows? Oh, that would be great. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Take <laughs> care. Too.